Welcome into Tailgate. Austin Gale here with Mike Renner in Cincinnati, back from Tuscaloosa. My God, what a trip that was. We're here to ready to review NFL Week 7. Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, Kyler Murray, Derek Carr all lighted up in Week 7. At the back end of the show, interview with UNC quarterback Sam Howell, 2022 first rounder. Guaranteed. I'll say it. Guaranteed, Mike. I'm ready to say it. I'm ready to say it. Let's get into the show. Buddy, we got a loaded show today. The review podcasts are always fantastic because you get to watch every game, then go back when the All-22 drops in PFF Ultimate like 12, 1 o'clock, and we'll start to review that tape as well. Got the college football tape on Sundays too, and talking to Sam Howell today at the back end of the show. I know. That's probably our biggest biggest catch yet. I mean, even though he may not be the highest drafted of the guys that we've talked to. We had to. Sertan on, yeah. Yeah, but... I mean, Sam Howell, pretty big name college football right now. I'm excited, obviously. man. I'm excited. We're also coming off a weekend and a half to mm. this Tuscaloosa trip. I can't wait to add the back end here. At, right before the Sam Howell interview, we'll make sure to bring up this tailgate score because Tuscaloosa can't miss, man. That was a fantastic trip. Can't wait to get to that. Before we do, let's go ahead and do the Thursday night football review here. Broncos at Browns. Browns were favored by three initially. Baker Mayfield, the injury is announced. He's out. The line moves to one and a half. Broncos still push that three they went 17 14 over the denver broncos on thursday night football case keenum not horrendous didn't play losing football while the offensive line and Dernis johnson got shout outs from lebron james and legitimately torched yeah. this broncos defense the biggest takeaway for me alexander johnson and josie jewel the two linebackers for the denver broncos out for the season did not play in this game they had backups at those positions and they were Awful. Yeah. Sub 31.0 PFF grades in this game. Gave Jarenis Johnson and company everything they had. When you can run the ball as effectively as the Browns did on Thursday night, it's going to be very difficult to lose football games. Yeah, Wyatt Teller was back playing his best football that we've seen. When he's on his game, Like that is the best. It's probably the best run blocking guard in football. 91.6 run blocking score in this game. One of... One of our calls here at PFF, one of one of our Uh-oh. near and dear, 53rd in the PFF draft board back in 2018, ahead of Billy Price, Bengals legend. But <laughs> yeah, the, the, I, I love the takes though after the game because it wasn't that interesting game. But the takes of the offensive line, everyone's like, "Oh yeah, this is why O line is the most important position group of football." Well, it's like it's the only position group that starts five guys every exactly. Snap. That was not, yeah. <laughs> it's literally one half of your offense. So yeah, I would hope it's the most important position group because what you get three corners out there sometimes, you get four defensive linemen. You never, no other position group sends out five routinely. Also, not just does, routinely, so. they play every snap if they're yes. healthy. Like, no other position group plays five guys, and all five play every snap. Yeah. Like, if they're healthy, obviously. Like so, that's- yes. When the position group that's five guys, it's like saying defense is more important than your receiving court. It's like, <laughs> okay. Yeah. If it's one half of the ball. But no, uh, I, I did, I did think this was about as Teddy Bridgewater a game as I can remember. That, that was like Teddy Bridgewater in a nutshell, where it's like, 69.7 completion percentage. You think that's like, oh, that's good. He was accurate with the football. It's like, yeah, he was, but under seven yards attempt. Literally just not operating. The offense is doing pretty much nothing the entire game, only scoring 14 points. The grade's fine because he's not really missing throws, but he's also not taking any chances with the football. So, yeah, that, that's kind of quintessential why we say, we said last year with the Panthers, we said this year with the Broncos, 
You just got to do a little bit better than him at the quarterback position. And not a little bit better. You should do a lot better than him. Well, I would even argue that Teddy had that first half interception that was horrendous. Mm-hmm. Like, And that, I think in the first half, I think they only had three points in the first half. They were awful. But Teddy Bridgewater like wasn't terrible in the second half. I mean, they only won this game by three points. And everyone talked yeah. about how dominant the offensive line was, how dominant Durant Johnson was. They won the game by three points because the quarterback play wasn't stellar and all that stuff. I do think that if Teddy doesn't throw that pick and plays – even okay in the first half. They mm-hmm. score in the red zone when they were marching before that interception. Th- this game goes a different way because, you know, again, the quarterback play for Case Keenum. I-, I said at the top here, it's hard to lose football games when your offensive line plays that well. But if Case Keenum isn't like going to add above expectation. Now, where I wanted more of the conversation to be, one, I think we can firmly say the Broncos will be in the quarterback market in 2022, whether that's... Or this week. <laughs> or, or, or this week with Tua Tungvaluwa, Deshaun Watson, those rumors spreading around, but also in free agency, if not in the draft, if not for the Browns, this line adjusted from three point favorites to one and a half point favorites with Case Keenum in. And I know there's a lot of conversation about Baker Mayfield. Will he get surgery to end his season? I would argue no. I think it's more likely that Baker Mayfield pushes his way to play and then re-injures himself and then gets hurt for the rest of the season before he actually makes the decision to to have a season-ending injury. Regardless... Well, I mean, you're not throwing shoulders not necessarily ever going to be season-ending. You can, like, t- tear that shit up. No, but really they were having a conversation yeah. on the broadcast yeah, that yeah. if he has surgery... It's over. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, when he does, it's over then, yeah. My take is, is that line... Do you think that... I, I'm of the opinion that the line adjustment is pretty accurate. Like... They, you know, it, it's a one and a half point, maybe to two, two and a half point difference with Case Keenum in there. What's your take there? Yeah, I mean, especially when Odell Beckham's also playing. Uh, Baker Mayfield's obviously not going to play well. So, yeah. You're, you're, you need to get off that shtick. You need to get off that shtick. <laughs> I mean, it's not a shtick. It's actually been proven in the grading system. But no, <laughs> I, I, I do think, I mean, the way he's played this year, they've not been winning games because of him. Mm-hmm. I mean, he played early on in the season. He had a couple of games. But ever since, obviously, the injury, he has not been the quarterback that is leading them to victory. So I don't think it's that big of a, di- yeah, one and a half points is yeah. about the difference. In this with, uh, with him sideline, I definitely think it's a one and a half, two point difference in, in the spread every single week. Before we get to the Sunday slate, I have to bring up, if you want to support the podcast, support tailgate, you can use promo code tailgate on pff.com to save 25% off any PFF subscription, get access to all the locked article content, the grades, the stats, fantasy betting, all that stuff on pff.com. Use promo code tailgate for 25% off. I want to give one more shout out from this game, Thursday Night Football, because he's not going to get a shout out for Rookie of the Week because we saw someone go Super Saiyan on Sunday. But Jonathan Cooper, seventh round pick, Broncos, had the most impressive game I've seen from an edge rookie all season long. 85.7 overall grade, five pressures on only 15 pass rushing snaps. And those were coming against Jedrick Wills. They, they were legit wins, one-on-one, against a quality NFL offensive tackle. I was floored. Uh, his performance in this game was... Uh, like I said, the most impressive I've seen from Edge all season, rookie Edge, excuse me, all season long. So, uh, shout outs to Jonathan Cooper. Jonathan Cooper getting a shout out State on the tailgate pod. Rookie. You love to see it. Yeah. You love to see it. Before um, now, on to football team at Packers. Packers were favored by eight and a half in this one. They end up winning 24 10. We just talked about the Denver Broncos firmly in the quarterback market. The Washington football team needs to firmly be yeah. in the quarterback market looking to upgrade. Maybe they're in the Tua Tungavailoa conversation. You know, so I thought someone say, how much better is Tua Tungavailoa than Washington has? A lot better. A lot better than what you know Taylor Heineke and Ryan Fitzpatrick. I think that would be an upgrade. Yes. They should be looking at the draft and at free agency to upgrade at that position if they want to you know, be more competitive because Taylor Heineke is Ryan Fitzpatrick light. You saw that in yeah. this game um, and a big reason why I, that And was. I think it's it's 
a far worse version of Ryan Fitzpatrick, in my opinion, because he gets that laser. He locks in on one route, one guy far too often and obviously leads to the disastrous decisions like we saw on Sunday. That red zone interception was never should have been thrown. That was awful. And that was basically the death knell for them. And the stat that's very indicative of this, and obviously these are maybe the two most top-heavy receiving cores in the NFL going head-to-head, and you see how the Packers can kind of scheme and with Aaron Rodgers at the helm work around the fact that they just have Devontae Adams. The With the football team, it just they pump it to McLaurin. They don't care. It's like third down, McLaurin. Uh, under pressure, McLaurin. He has 33 contested targets this season, Terry McLaurin, who's a good separator. Like, usually we say the guys who are getting the most contested targets are your bigger wide receivers. It's like, no, it's because he's forcing it to him. 33 contested targets. The second most in the NFL is 16. That's insane. Mike Williams, who is your, who is what you think of when you think of a contested target type of wide receiver. So, yeah, Taylor Heineke is just not taking, just not getting the ball to open receivers. He is forcing the ball. And as we've seen, the offense is suffering because of it. Man, football team probably already packing it in, looking ahead to the offseason. Meanwhile, well, I mean, packing it. If if Tua Tagovailoa is available for a first round pick, would you rather have Jamin Davis right now or Tua Tagovailoa? You know, it's like that's the decision you're kind of looking at when you're because you're probably still going to be picking somewhere in the teens. And yeah, you can get a good player there, but I would take my chance on a guy like Tua, who you kind of eat the developmental years already. Like those are gone. He's yeah. already kind of up to the speed of the NFL. I would do that in a heartbeat if I he's was looked really team. good over the last few and weeks. He's looked, too. Yeah, we'll get to that a little bit later. But he's looked really good. The guy who hasn't looked really good, who I was kind of floored in this game, Chase Young. He has a lower pass rushing grade this year than he did last year. And now we've said no one hits the so few players hit the ground at an elite level. Miles Garrett took till year three until he was really playing at that. Even Khalil Mack too. Yeah, so like no one really hits it, but Chase Young you thought was going to with the way he ended last season, but only 22 pressures on the season so far, only two in this game against Green Bay. Uh, not the every down elite impact guy we thought that could take this defense to the next level, sadly. Are you buying the Green Bay Packers as legitimate Super Bowl contenders in yes. the NFC? After week one, Rodgers didn't look good. The entire team didn't look good. You yes. said it on this pod. Throw out the tape, burn it, never look at it again. Since week one, he's QB9 in PFF passing grade, and they've looked dominant in some of these games. Yeah, I am, and it's two big reasons why. One, Rashawn Gary is playing excellent football of late. Ten pressures in this game, seven pressures the week prior against Chicago. Um and he's a consistent pocket pusher type of guy that when they get to Darius Smith back, that's one of the better edge duos in the NFL if both of them are healthy. So, you know, knock on wood that Darius Smith does come back. But that's why – and then they – I just think this defensive scheme is a big, big improvement from what we've seen in years past with Mike Patton. I think they have the personnel that fits it much better. And obviously they're doing these – you know, they're having good results without Jair Alexander playing uh, – because Devondre Campbell looks like the best linebacker in football. He's the highest grade linebacker in football right now. <laughs> and like legitimately, it, it, I don't think it's a, it doesn't look like a fluke. He's just playing fast as hell, game in and game out, even in this one. Again, uh, four defensive stops, no missed tackles. He's missed two tackles on 64 attempts this year. The guy's animal. Uh, did not see this coming. No one did. Obviously, they he would have signed for more than $2 million if someone did. Chiefs at Titans. Titans were five and a half point dogs at home, and we both took titans plus five and a half i didn't think i didn't expect this though i did not expect a 27 to 3 blowout well it's happened what twice in mahomes career that they've gotten blown out one was two weeks ago the other was super bowl that's it like the, that doesn't happen so i unsurprisingly we didn't expect that 27 3 titans win uh should the kansas city chiefs 
be hitting the panic button. I thought Patrick Mahomes had a really good post-game press conference talking about, you know, the last couple weeks we've been saying it's early in the season, it's early in the season. It's not. We need to turn it around. We need to step things up. It isn't early in the season anymore, and there are legitimate concerns. We've talked about this defense is the worst in the NFL. It continues to show out as that. And Patrick Mahomes, if he isn't perfect – and this defense is as bad as it is, they're going to lose games. But now it's getting to that blowout situation. Why are they getting blown out right now? I, I think it's Mahomes is putting too much pressure on himself. or he's Because the defense is so bad, because he knows they have to put up points, I think he's, he's getting very big play happy. And you see that with his turnover where they play numbers. Like He is taking the checkdowns, the underneath stuff. He is passing a lot of those up to break pockets to try to find guys on the football field and we ooh and ah over the throw last week to Tyreek Hill where he's outside the pocket throwing across his body and like oh look at how easy he makes it but you can't rely on that he looks I tweeted out earlier today that he looks like Aaron Rodgers circa like 2015 2016 when he was breaking the so Rodgers is breaking the PFF record for throwaways in that time whereas Mahomes is not giving up on plays he's still throwing the ball down the football field but taking bad chances with him outside the pocket where it's just like he has to Play within structure better. And some of that is the fact that you got Byron Pringle and DeMarcus Robbins. Like, your wide receiver twos stink at this point. It is Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, uh, or bust. But a lot of that is just him breaking out of some clean pockets and not hanging in there and operating within that offense. So uh, I think some of the blame, as much as it's blasphemous to say, does lie at the foot of Mahomes. It, the talent's there. Like, the talent didn't go anywhere, just like it didn't go anywhere with Rodgers. He just has to play within structure better. Yeah, I mean, and it's and, and the how defense, do you, how the defense do you, isn't getting any better. I yeah, will say yeah. the like, defense how, but, does suck. It's always, but it's it's never been great on that side of the ball. It is probably the worst he's had in his career, though. I mean, I don't even know how you correct that. I mean, I guess you have to, you know, instill confidence in the inside of structure stuff and and have to calm him down. You have to calm Mahomes down, take off the superhero cape, yeah. and let's play within structure and play our game. Because and even if the defense does give up thirty inside of structure, Patrick Mahomes, you can put up thirty, you can put up forty instead of you know, like you said, bailing out of clean pockets is something we've seen with a lot of good quarterbacks a lot of talented quarterbacks will bail out of clean pockets and have that how about on the Titans side your takeaways yeah AJ Brown reportedly lost like seven pounds in a week because of the whatever he's can't even eat plays balls out in this one did not look like it what so he said he got it from Chipotle right mm-hmm. you were a former Chipotle employee how do they how have they had so many like they've had a ton of these health sort of did, I heard that they soak their chicken for 24 hours and like Adobo. They Adobo. Do. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Do. I don't know if that's a huge fact because they do that with every piece of chicken. Okay. But I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I As a Chipotle employee, I only did the guac. Got, I was going to say, you got any insight onto why. But chicken was fire, though. I know. Like they, it is, is, they, it don't, they don't. They don't cut any corners. They don't yeah. cut any corners. At least I didn't. You know, you're watching everything. You got you're watching like a hawk. Like if you cut a bell pepper too fucking big, you're they're on your ass. So yeah. I don't. I don't know how it keeps on. Chipotle keeps on catching that but but i mean a lot of it is like i mean when you're dealing with so much fresh food you know you're never freezing anything Mm -hmm. everything's fresh you're putting yourself in a position where you know you're not you could cost yourself fair all right the other shout i want to give in this game though nick bolton came to play in the run game seven defensive stops big reason i mean derrick henry we talked about him being the issue for them 86 yards and 29 carries that's not why they lost this game i thought the defense actually had one of their better showings considering the matchup uh it really was just aj brown going superhero a few times that cost them uh in this game so uh shout out to nick bolton had some a ton of plays in the backfield key and runs falcons at dolphins we both took dolphins i think plus two and a half they do cover but not win falcons win 30 20 all that matters all that matters. It's all that matters. Good teams cover. Good teams cover. <laughs> this is the Kyle Pitts game. I mean, we thought it was, you know, two weeks ago in London. This one, he's the highest graded 
offensive player this week. Yes. 93.6 PFF grade on the week. He was phenomenal in one-on-one. Beat Xavier Howard in this game. He beat Xavier Howard and the one-handed snag. I mean, Kyle Pitts looks the part. He looks exactly what they brought in him brought him in to do. And I think, you know, the slow start for Pitts, most tight ends, that's two years. It was for him, it was about four or five weeks before he really hit his stride. And now targeted at a high volume, used everywhere on the football field, and legitimately the focal point of the side. Yeah, that you saw the usage, like the go ball is him as the X receiver on the outside against Damian Howard. And he still beats him in the two minute drill. And then he had the two minute drill at the end of the first half too, that he set him up with the one handed catch. That wasn't a it wasn't a clean one-hander, as my brother would say. It's not, it's not, it doesn't quite count. But the thing that got lost in that highlight was he was guarded by Eric Rowe on the play. Yeah. A safety. One-on-one, Kyle Pitts, who is, for all intents and purposes, like wide receiver quality, ex-wide receiver quality from the outside. Going up against, it's like if Jamar Chase is going up against Eric Rowe, that's a nightmare mismatch. You would never do that as a defense. But because you have to treat him as a tight end, you get Eric Rowe on him, and all of a sudden it's a massive play in a two-minute drill that is the reason why we said this is why you draft Cal Pitts that high is because he won't get treated. He's an ex-wide receiver who won't get treated like one and makes that big play, puts him in a scoring position. Uh, yeah, this was this was basically kind of who we said or what we said you were getting when you were drafting Cal Pitts. I didn't, I didn't even think it would turn around quite this quickly. I thought there might be a little bit more of a learning curve, but man, he was so, so good in this game. And you can see Ryan like the trust and the confidence he has in him to go to him when the Xavier Howard's in a go ball situation to go to him on a third and 10 midway through the third quarter where he didn't even look off him. He saw a man coverage. He's like, I'm trusting Kyle Pitts to win. It was like a hitch route over the middle of the field. I'm trusting him to gain separation. Didn't even go anywhere else. And that's, that's again, why you draft special talent like that fourth overall. Although I will say Jalen Waddle looked good in this game too. I, I thought he looked, uh, he was getting really easy separation. I, I thought they were doing a better job of getting him, in motion at the snap, getting him some releases down the football field. Now, they played a lot of cover two, the Falcons, so you're not going to generate a ton of big plays. But I thought in terms of like converting third downs, converting you know second longs, he was the guy that two was looking for. I mean, a couple free release out routes, never, yeah. you know, you're never going to get within arm's know. reach of Jalen Waddle. Then he had the bubble screen he took for a first down as well. I thought Waddle, I mean, he can be used simply you talk, you you put it in your notes here getting him in motion at the snap i think doing that like what the raiders have done with rugs getting him free releases when you get those guys who are like legitimately dynamic um free releases you can do a lot with it and I, he did play well Tua played well too four Tua. touchdowns in this one i mean this was not i mean the dolphins defense was get, you know obviously gives up 30 in this one you hope to be more of a strength pits balling out against their defensive backs but Tua, i think gave their best effort and i know you thought that as well yeah the two picks I wouldn't call either of them bad. Like now the the one to Dalton Schultz in the end zone. Not Dalton Schultz. Kasiki. Dalton Schultz. Or no, it was Dalton Schultz. Oh. Dalton Schultz. Right. Dalton Schultz plays for the Cowboys. Uh, Jerm Smythe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, I get him confused. All those D tight ends that are <laughs> whatever. <laughs> Jerm Smythe. Um, DS. Um, but it was, that one was on Smythe, in my humble opinion. It was a sort of, it was an out route or out corner, depending on the, but depending on the alignment, of the safety and what it was like Smythe should box him out every single time in that situation. That was just, maybe you don't need to take that chance in the red zone with the game towards the end of the first half. Maybe you don't necessarily need to look underneath whatever, but that one was on Smythe. And then the interception to Waddle, if you look at it from the end zone view, he's getting hit as he throws and Waddle is running a spot route over the middle of the field. He's stationary to a Cox back to throw it, getting hit. Throws it. 
Waddle immediately bolts left, doesn't recognize that, you know, he has that, you know, Tua is under pressure, isn't going to be able to adjust to that and throws it right where Waddle just was. So that one, it looked awful in real time, looked awful from the TV copy. That one, I wouldn't put necessarily either of them as necessarily a bad place. So I was guilty of it too. I tweeted, he looked like he forgets how to play quarterback once a game, and he has in the past. But that one, this game was honestly the best I've seen him play uh, as an NFL player. I mean, over the past two weeks, he's a top 10 graded passer according to PFF. He has looked very good. I think the issues are more on the defensive side of the ball for the Miami Dolphins. And if he does go elsewhere, you know, I I do see some of the arguments on Twitter about how much of an upgrade is he over this player or this player. He is. I do think there's a lot of meat on the bone for him to develop as well with a good offensive line. People are forgetting Miami Dolphins offensive line is bottom three unit in the NFL, if not the worst. So don't, 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 you know, I think Joe Burrow playing well, Justin Herbert playing well, that does not help to his case and that like he's the bust of the group, but like he is also playing well. Like this is another, you know, talented quarterback. He he did not have a single off target pass in this game. Like full stop. Every, every throw that was to the wide receiver was all catchable. I think he had like four that were broken up at the catch point, but they were all where they should have been. Maybe he could have taken some better chances at times, but that's, that was it. And I would agree with you. I think Tua Tungvaluwa is worth, you know, a middle, you know, an expectedly middle of the pack first rounder yeah. on the trade market right now. Like if you know you're going to be drafting between, you know, 14 and 32 and you're looking to make an upgrade at the quarterback position, yeah. like a handful of the teams we've talked about, giving that first rounder up for Tua Tungvaluwa, I think is a better decision than, you know, spending that on, you know, a player improving your roster at another position. Yeah, especially if you're like if you're drafting 14 and 32 or whatever, you're a good team. A team that's going to be in the market like the Steelers, like Washington, like Denver, where that's a roster that can compete, all three of those. Now, and they all have quarterback situations that are rough. If you draft a guy, if you draft a quarterback at 15, say Matt Corral, whatever, it's going to be two years. Like it's, yeah. it's not going to be next you're eating, then another year with Tua. That's not necessarily the case. Now, could be obviously, really obviously, obviously, yeah, obviously, obviously, this year, getting a guy up to speed in your scheme and trying to then make a run in the playoffs, unlikely, but. For next year, you already have a guy who is in year three, should be ready to play in the NFL, and has already, you know, operated behind a pre-shit offensive line. So fair. Before we get to Jets, Patriots want to bring up DraftKings, proud sponsor of the Tailgate Podcast. NFL fans hungry for a big win this week. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, has you covered. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game. And if they do, you win $200 in free bets. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. It's that simple. A sportsbook isn't available in your state yet. DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code PFF. Bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game and win $200 in free bets. If they win, you win with promo code PFF this week at DraftKings Sportsbook. An official sports betting partner of the NFL must be 21 years or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only, minimum $5 deposit, $1 wager required. One per customer restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER. Jets at Patriots, and I took the Jets plus seven, and I look like a fool. Patriots just completely blew them out. Now, a lot of that, not a lot of that, but some of that at least is Zach Wilson does get hurt in this game. Mike White comes in. Not, you, you think Bill yeah. Belichick's good against rookie quarterbacks. How about backups to rookie quarterbacks? Mike White comes in, does not have a ton of success. Patriots win 54 13. Mac Jones continues to look very good as well. Yeah. Uh, and I don't think it was too much. Like, this game wasn't out of the ordinary from the guy we've seen in recent weeks. He is very efficient, very accurate, not necessarily going to go above and beyond, but he avoids a lot of negative plays. He takes what's there. And the Jets 
were giving him what was there a lot. Uh, he had 65% of his yards after the catch in this game, and, and he's very good, and that Patriots offense is very good at immediately creating space at the snap uh, for their wide receivers. Like, the underneath game, uh, if you can hit it in timing, like we've people have criticized Tom Brady in his entire Patriots career for being a checkdown artist, but it's it, there is an art to it. Like, being able to hit those underneath throws when the defense is dropping into zone coverage, when you got your linebackers backing up, if you can hit that on time, you create space for your wide receivers. So there's no sort of there's there's no you don't get style points for gaining yards uh through the air through your arm down the football field if you can get 50 yards by you throwing get it style t- points you just don't get actual points. yeah you don't get actual <laughs> you don't get points on the scoreboard excuse yeah. me for for throwing it through the air 50 yards when you can gain 50 yards by just hitting your wider your running back on a swing route like that is the sort of beauty of the patriots offense and the jets just never made them take it never took that away from them in this game and Mac Jones is so good at hitting those routes on timing to get those guys good yak opportunities. Whereas the next game we're going to talk about with the Panthers, I think that's one of Sam Darnold's biggest sort of shortcomings still is that when he does get to his check down, it's so late and so behind that you're not gaining any yards from it. And as we saw that Panthers offense couldn't get a first down save the life. I think a lot of that too is, you know, Mac Jones' success and the Patriots' offensive success is this offensive line. You, know, you had Isaiah then, win back. Well, and the running game was just insane. Insane. Well. Every All five offensive linemen in this game that started for the Patriots earned 73-plus PFF grades. Yeah. Like, they only allowed five pressures as a unit on on the on total. Isaiah Wynn also came back in this game, played 76 snaps, and 81.0 grade. Michael Onwenu, second-year offensive lineman out of Michigan, is the third-highest-graded run blocker in the NFL, regardless yeah. of position, up there with Zach Martin, Tyron Smith, and Trent Williams. That's how good on Wainu has been. This offensive line, I think preseason, we called it a top three offensive line in the NFL. They are showing out and allowing you know Mac Jones and this offense to have a lot of success, especially against bad defenses. Defenses yeah. that lack talent along the defensive line like the Jets do. Patriots win handily 54-13. Panthers at Giants. I think we both like the Giants in this one. No, we both like the Panthers. Oh, okay. or, or at least I like the Panthers. I don't I can't know. Remember you now. now I can't remember. Maybe I definitely I picked too. Panthers. But this was yeah. Tough, tough to see for Sam Darnold. Giants win 25 to 3. Darnold plays awful since week four. He's the lowest grade quarterback in the NFL. Yeah. And I mean, like, yeah. I would say what you want about the grades. He's the, he's been the worst quarterback. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like there's no there's no disagreement there everyone with two eyes can tell he's played like absolute dog shit like it's nothing just any any aspect of quarterbacking that you want (laughs) accuracy timing decision making trifecta the dude the dude's not playing good football um and like you don't good quarterbacks i don't think look this bad for stretches a time like this that's a great take you know it's like i don't at this point in time you're four you don't you can't go in the tank for this long and all of a sudden turn into josh allen or whatever it's just Mm -hmm. i don't think it's going to happen unfortunately and the play that really highlights a kind that like just how bad he's been is there was a a third down uh at the beginning of the third quarter and they obviously haven't moved the ball to save their life and it's an rpo on like a third and three, and they're kind of just on the edge of field goal range, probably like the 40-yard line. He pulls it and then doesn't throw and takes a sack. You can't pull an RPO to not throw it. That's like quarterback rule numero uno on an RPO. 
is that ball just has to get out of your hand because then off line or down the field, whatever. Pulls it, doesn't throw, and then he doesn't even throw it away. He takes a sack, gets him well out of field goal range, can't even go for the fourth down. Um, just inexplicable. And, and if you go back and look, it was at 11.08 in the third quarter. If he hands that off, it's like 10-yard gain. It was wide open, the run block, and they were uh, not in position on that third down to guard it. So a lot of big yikes. A lot of, for me, when you watch – this is one of the few games where I didn't turn on all 22 immediately and watch like the progression of the game. A lot of compounding mistakes for Donald too. Like as the game progresses, like you're seeing it worse and worse and worse. And you talk about Mahomes putting on this cape. When Donald starts to put this thing on, it's a tattered disaster and they just sinkhole. Yeah. And I mean, that's how you lose to the Giants 25-3 as three-point favorites on the road. Daniel Jones looked good in this one. You had that one-handed snag. I mean, I don't think your brother would call it a one-hander, but it was kind of dope. For a quarterback, and then he takes the hit, I thought that was a nice little play from Daniel Jones. He looked good. Azizo Jolari graded really well in this one. Darius Slayton graded well. Uh, it was a positive, positive week for the Giants at home. Yeah, Ojolari is the one I want to highlight because we just got the blackout last week. Had back-to-back weeks without a pressure. 40 straight pass and snaps without getting home. Eight pressures in this one. They put him over Brady Christensen who's the rookie left tackle for the Panthers in the fourth quarter. In the fourth quarter when it was kind of, they knew the Panthers had to pass, and he was cooking them. I mean, just anything he wanted. And that's kind of his game, and that's why a lot of people called him maybe a DPR at his size because he needs that head of steam. He needs that wide alignment to really work his move sets. And when he does, though, it's dangerous. And you saw it, three sacks. I said eight pressures. The Easily the best we've seen him look on this young season. On to Bengals at Ravens. We both took Baltimore. We were both big on it. We're never in doubt, dude. I had the Bengals. Right? You didn't shut have the Bengals? Up. Shut up. We were, we were both Bengals I had, believers. I liked Ravens minus six shirt. and a half. I liked Ravens minus six and a half. Quinn always makes fun of me because I've been fading the Bengals all year, picking the opposite, and they've just dominated. I mean, every single turn, they've dominated. Quinn, I want to issue a formal apology. I know we don't have the mic on Never today, in doubt. Never it's a formal doubt. apology to Mike Quinn and all Bengals fans. On the road. Six and a half point dogs, Bengals dominate 41 to 17. The obvious, you know, start of this conversation has to be Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase is on an absolute tear. And this was easily, I would say, easily his toughest matchup yet, going against Marlon Humphrey, this Baltimore Ravens defense. And he cooked him, cooked him at every turn. This was such an impressive performance for Chase. I thought, I mean, this Chase Burrow combination, we said it all draft season we said it all preseason this is going to help joe burrow so much i didn't even expect it to hit the ground running this fast this is an absurd blazing start for burrow and chase they beat a legitimate like afc title contender in the baltimore ravens on the road at six and a half point dogs 41 17 yeah if if they have the Bengals shirt for a reason if they have aj green going one-on-one against marlon humphrey all game instead of jamar chase I don't think they win this game. I just don't. Like I, I they, pretty much any of the explosive pass plays outside of these Uzama one, but like all those plays to Chase, are not getting made by AJ Green. Like AJ Green is not taking it seventy plus yards to the house after the catch. Uh, AJ Green is not, you know, back shouldering him at the catch point routinely. Like there were a number of plays that were just special, and the after the catch stuff really got underrated with Chase throughout the draft prospect process by like national media and the conversation between him and Devontae Smith like he was the best probably receiver after Kadarius Tony, Rondell Moore after kind of the gadget yak guys in this class he was the best like after the catch with the ball in his hands he was just ridiculously difficult to bring down a couple years ago and again 
nine broken tackles on 35 catches so far this season uh as a number on that one play alone uh against the ravens he was and that's again a matchup we thought would go the the ravens way it's difficult to beat up marlon humphrey no one has the way jamar chase just did I have to bring this up for Joe Burrow because I think a lot of the conversation is on Jamar Chase and rightfully so, but Burrow has taken massive strides this year. Joe Burrow versus the Blitz in 2020 was the 23rd ranked quarterback in PFF grade. So far this year, first, 93.1, getting the ball faster, knows where he's going. He has taken such a massive step forward. Jamar Chase obviously has hit the ground running. This offensive line ranks seventh in pressure rate allowed, and this was Jonah Williams' worst game of the season. He did not have a good game against the Baltimore Ravens defensive line. I think he was one of the lowest graded players for the Bengals, but still... Not enough. And I think some people, I mean, I specifically brought back that meme. You remember that like viral meme that was going around yeah. that like, you know, you draft Jamar Chase, you have no one on the offensive line, Joe Bros just gonna get sacked every play. That's not only not true, but like completely opposite. Jamar Chase ranks second in the NFL in receiving yards. Joe Burrow has been sacked, I think, on only three percent of his dropbacks, which is a top ten rate in the mm-hmm. NFL. Like he has been fantastic, and so has Jamar Chase. This offense looking legit. And Underrated in all this, is this saving Zach Taylor's job? Like, Zach Taylor now, like, a lot of people talked about Joe Brady going to Cincinnati after this season, Zach Taylor on his way out. Five and two, like, Uh, he's not not going anywhere. He's not going anywhere. Now you got got, the first place team in the AFC, first place team in the AFC North. You can't fire that coach. You can't. You can't. So, Zach Taylor, it looks like he's going to stay in Cincinnati. I'm excited to see. You know him build up this team because even you know i've bagged on zach taylor his offense hasn't been good but everyone you talk to in cincinnati solomon wilcox pff guy who has been in that locker room a ton said everyone loves zach taylor the players love zach taylor yeah. so to see him having the success now on the football field i think is a huge win i have to give a shout out to this defense though the obviously harp on chase the offense the explosive plays whatever but this defense is so far different than the defenses we've seen in years past from the Bengals as well and obviously the zach taylor era and it's the defensive tackles, man. Larry Ogunjobi in this game. Five pressures, a couple sacks, had like four run stops as well. Uh, DJ Reader, obviously coming back massive. Like they are a different animal right up the middle than we've seen in years past. Lamar Jackson ain't running wild on this defense the way he has, like I said, in years past. Logan Wilson playing better this season. You know, the addition of Trey Henderson, he hasn't been phenomenal, but he's been better. Like, it's an improved defense at every step. And I'll say this. I think I've said it a handful of times or hinted at it. Shadobi Awuzie, the signing from the Dallas Cowboys, has been one of the best signings, free agent signings of any team in the NFL. He's cornerback right. three right now in PFF grade. Casey Hayward, Marshawn Lattimore, Shadobi Awuzie, and then Jalen Ramsey are the three, four highest graded cornerbacks in the NFL. I'll say it right now. The free agent signing of the offseason, the best one. He's having a massive impact for the Cincinnati the Bengals. The best, like, big signing. Yeah, the he best was, like, big signing. He got, like, a real contract, whereas Casey Hayward, Devondre Campbell got, like, penny. Sorry. True, so, like, true, true. So, reclamation project signings. And those, like, obviously for $2 million, you had the highest grade linebacker in the NFL. You'll take that. That's fair. You're, you're just all in on Devondre Campbell. It's fine. I get it. Well, in Casey Hayward, $2.5 million for highest grade quarterback in the true, NFL. Those true, true. Nice the, we're on to the Raiders, actually. But, but before we get to the Raiders, can we talk about the proud sponsor of the Tailgate Podcast, Western Southern? Whether it's football success or financial savvy, the right questions help set the stage for winning strategies. Western and Southern is teaming up with PFF's very own The Boss Man, Chris Collinsworth, to share insights that can help you put ahead. You ahead. Put you ahead on both your fantasy and financial scoreboards. Want to hear more about Chris's old playing days or behind the scenes with Al on Sunday Night Football? How about a need to know for your financial future? Now you can ask about either or both. And every football or financial question you ask earns you a chance to win a catered party for February's big game. Check out the Chris Collinsworth Podcast and Western Southern's Instagram for answers to the best questions each week. Submit your questions at westernsouthern.com slash askchris. 
Chris one more time. That is westernsouthern.com slash askchris. If you're watching on YouTube, check out the link in the description below. Remember, with Western Southern, you can rest assured on game day. Raiders, Eagles. This is one of my favorite bets of the week. Raiders minus three over Philly in Las Vegas. I don't know how Raiders are only favored by three in Las Vegas. And yeah, it was maybe closer than people thought. 33-22, the Raiders win by 11. But they were in control this entire game. So, yeah, much of this, so much of this score was in garbage time. Like, they were dominant, dominant in this one at every turn. Derek Carr leads the NFL in deep passing yards so far this year. He's been easily one of the best, most impressive quarterbacks all year. Not, I wouldn't call in the MVP race yet with Kyler Murray playing as well as he is. I'd say Tom Brady playing as well as he is. But... He has been really, really good. And I think they, if they don't lose that Chicago game where John Gruden was literally on his last leg, and if they, they're, they're, they're only one they're one last team to Justin Herbert and the Los Angeles Chargers, the Raiders still don't hit the panic button after that Bears loss, I think are very legit. Yeah, I agree. And this was textbook quarterbacking from Derek Carr on how you avoid a shit offensive line. Because... I mean, it was not going to be good. If he was dropping back to pass and looking down the football field consistently, it was not not going to be good. I mean, Alex Leatherwood had 8.1 pass blocking grade in this game. They were losing a lot of one-on-ones. But, one, I think a lot of offenses think when you have a bad offensive line, got to protect your quarterback, got to run the football. No, they let Derek Carr throw the ball in this game, but throw it quickly. Because when you run the football, then all of a sudden it's third and eight, and then your quarterback is really getting killed. Because that is when you have to hold on to the football. You have to look down the football field. You can't just check it down or else you're not going to go anywhere. So they gave the ball to Derek Carr. He was throwing it, getting the ball out of his hands quickly, avoiding hits, avoiding basically anything that could bring more pressure on him because obviously these Eagles linebackers are not guys who you're worrying about making plays uh, on the underneath passing game. And it was just a darn near perfect performance from Derek Carr in this game that throw the third down he had though on the third and 15 to Zay Jones where he just ripped it down the football field that was that was a sick pass that was one of my favorite of the week he was on a tear this was yeah. one of the more impressive performances we've seen from him this year and he's been good this year he ranked QB QB4 and PFF passing grade this week also had the fourth fastest time to throw 2.29 seconds this past I mean he was phenomenal and they didn't even have Darren Waller Foster Moreau yeah. was their starting tight end, and they still, you know, pushed the ball with ease. And <laughs> Josh Jacobs got hurt in this game. You know, he had Jalen Rashard playing a lot of the second half. Like this was Derek Carr show. It's the Derek Carr show in Vegas right now. He's the best player on the football team, bar none. And yeah. that's enough. When your quarterback is the best player and he's grading like a top ten passer in the NFL, you can beat up on teams as only three point favorites at home over the Philadelphia Eagles. How about on the Eagles side? I'll say this again: another team. We talked about Washington. Talked about Denver, Philly, firmly in the quarterback market in 2022. Yeah, easily. I mean, kind of more of the same from Jalen Hurts. Uh, I'll say Carolina, too. We passed them, but I'll say Carolina, too. And do they even have do they have the capital to even get? I mean, first rounder, but yeah. Uh, Devontae Smith in this one, I will say. So we talked about when will the weight, whatever. Like, it is an issue. It's not going to He's not going to fail because of the weight, but it is an issue. And I think we've seen it. In contested situations this year, he's three of thirteen in contested situations. One of the worst rates for starting wide receiver in the NFL because every cornerback he's hit that's hitting him is bigger than him. You know, he, he is. It, it is different at this level. He went zero for two in contested situations in this game. Still gets open. Not worried about it. But like I said, it will show up more, and I think that's where we have seen it for Devontae Smith this year. Man, I mean, there's. There's a lot. There's a lot going wrong with the Philadelphia Eagles. I think Jalen Hurts, from a fantasy perspective, has been great. Here's a stat for you. 
43% of Jalen Hurts' fantasy production has come in the fourth quarter. <laughs> the garbage time king yeah. Jalen Hurts is. So if you're looking at it from a fantasy perspective, Hurts has been balling out when the game has been off the line, not on the line, off the line. Uh, Philly, I do think, will be firmly in the quarterback market along with. Uh, so the, the good thing for the Eagles is that they were kind of in the exact, them and the Saints are in like the exact same situation where they were in cap hell. They have an aging roster. And they're moving on from, you know, who they thought was their franchise quarterback. The Eagles now have three possibly top 10 picks. The Saints obviously just have their own pick, but are still pushing cap hell. Whereas I think the Eagles can get out of it here quickly. I think the Eagles are in better situation to sort of revive this thing quickly uh, than someone like the Saints is where they're kind of just grasping for straws on a roster that's still going to be kind of the same. Yeah, I mean those three. If they get three top ten picks, they can rebuild in a hurry. Yeah. And this roster can get a lot younger and a lot, be- yeah, a lot better in a hurry. We didn't bring the Raiders' defense up a ton, but Yannick Ngakwe and Max Crosby are balling yeah. out along the edges for the Las Vegas Raiders. And Solomon Thomas also playing well. I mean, Solomon Thomas has had a strong grade to start this year. I'm not calling it a breakout for the former first rounder, but he hasn't been dreadful like his start in San Francisco. Yeah, Yannick right up there for best for agent signing as well. True, very true. Lions at Rams. I liked the backdoor cover here from Dan Campbell, and he gave it to me. Well, it wasn't really backdoor. It was more like they gave it. Yeah, it was a front door cover. Lions at Rams. Rams were favored by 15. Rams win 28 to 19. I am in love with this coaching performance from Dan Campbell. It was by far the best coaching performance I've ever seen from a multiple possession dog ever. Surprise onside kick, multiple fake punts, Going forward on fourth down, this is how you do it. You are not the better football team. You have to find your edges elsewhere. And he tried, and he did. They nearly, they were in this game. Yeah. And they have a shitty roster. They should be picking number one overall. They're a bad football team, but they're in this game against who a lot of people think will win the Super Bowl this year, or at least go to the NFC Championship. They're in this game on the road because of Dan Campbell. This was an unreal coaching performance for me. It did crack me up, though, where it was, you know, they start off, cooking really hot with the fake onside kick the the fake punt or not fake onside kick the onside kick surprise it was a surprise Surprise onside onside kick kick. there you go better word surprise onside kick fake punt but then it's fourth and three from the 29 they kick a field goal it's like oh that's where you draw the line is the fourth and three you can't Uh, win them all mike i know i'm just saying it it just had to crack me up a little bit um obviously the rams were the better team it was when kind of down the stretch in the fourth quarter. It felt like kind of a lot of those games on Saturday where there looked like there would be a lot of upsets early on. Kansas, Oklahoma. It's just like, Tennessee, Bama. It's just inevitable. Like It it was inevitable. But uh, I do want to highlight Penny Sewell in the run game. The play, did you see the play where he, him and Aaron Donald were like swinging yeah. afterwards? That was sweet. That was just, that, that's He's what. one of the highest graded offensive players this week. I think yeah. 80 plus PS. Yeah, he had a great game in this one. Was a man, was creating holes in the run game, was uh, some of his best tape days put out there all season long. And that's that play against Aaron Donald going toe-to-toe. Still 21 years old. Love, love to see it. Detroit picking number one overall. Are they going to ask Caleb Williams to come out early? Or like, <laughs> I don't know what the Detroit Lions are going to do. Is it going to be Matt Corral? Is Kenny Pickett? Pittsburgh? The big upset win over Clemson? He's been a big riser. There's a lot, there's a lot of conversation around who the fuck do you take yeah. in this quarterback class. I think a lot's going to have to come out, obviously, through the back half of the college football season, but also the combine. This, this is going to be a big year for all-star bowls. If you can yeah. get some of these seniors, you know, Desmond Ritter, Kenny Pickett, these guys to these bowl games, I think that's going to be a big one. East-West Shrine, Senior Bowl, Hula Bowl, all that stuff should be a treat here. Texans at Cardinals, the hold your nose and take it game. 
covers. Took Cardinals it. win 31 to 5. It was a scoregami the first time in NFL history we've seen a 31 to 5 ending. Kyler Murray, I think he was the highest graded quarterback on the week. He was phenomenal on this one. He can do whatever he wants, especially against the Houston Texans defense, but he really can do whatever he wants. Yeah, the Texans still hapless. I, I mean, the only worry if you are a Cardinals fan was he took some hits in this game. The one shot to the back he took, the one uh, in the end zone on the safety was I would I would not have ran him anymore after that. Like he he's he is your offense right now. Protect that man a little bit more when it is a game like the Texans where you don't necessarily need to subject him to hits to really put a put a beat down on him. Man, not much. I mean, there was just shit. There's not much more to talk about this game. It was the hold your nose and take it. It was the hold your nose and take a game. And Davis Mills didn't look good. This offense didn't look good. It's it's a tough scene. It's yeah, a tough scene. Texans are down bad. Like they got the. Mass exodus. They got guys quitting on them left. Like when merciless goes and looks. I don't even like, know how they approach the offseason. You know, we've, I've been bringing up teams that are firmly in the quarterback market. Texans are obviously they've been in, they've been in the quarterback market for a while now, and it's going to be tough. They're not. There's no way they commit to Davis Mills. Right? They're not going to do like a Davis Mills thing, right? Yeah. No. I mean, Whitney merciless goes to Green Bay and has the best game of the season so far because that's how it, like that because he actually cares now. So I I don't think they're committing to Davis Mills. I don't know what the hell they're going to do at the quarterback position. They are they are about as far away from competing as any team I can remember in recent like football history. Yeah, no that's a that's where a it's like thing. this rebuild is so far. Mm-hmm. Like it's so early. It's it's way worse than even Browns when they intentionally stripped down the roster because they don't have the capital that the Browns are going to have. And there's just really no. I mean, you have to hope they can get some multiple picks for Watson or something to, to yeah. kind of like put yeah, some, about all some fuel in the fire here. Um, all right. Bears at Bucks. Bucks were 12 and a half point favorites, and this game was never freaking close. Bucks win 38 to 3. Wasn't, weren't they up 35 3 at half, too? I mean, this was a dominant, dominant showing for. Yeah, from the first play on, it was yeah, over. Yeah. It was yeah. over. I have you. I saw your note here. I was going to bring it up too. But Jason Pierre-Paul, who was on Washed Watch last week, I think it was one of the Listen highest grade. The bar, dude. He was one of the highest grade defenders in all of football this week. He yeah. played really good game against a bad Bears offensive line, but still stepped up to the occasion. Yeah, it was against bad Bears tackles. Yeah, right tackle. Uh, gosh, name's eluding me right now. But ninety-one point nine overall grade. The forced fumble. Uh, Justin Fields just has to. He's got to get the ball out of his hands quicker, man. It just he had two. Uh, on the blindside fumble at the end of quarter one, like he had a hitch, just take it. And the fourth down at the before the half that they he ends up getting sacked on or tries to scramble, doesn't get it. Again, there's a hitch there. If he throws it on time, just take it. Like he's got to just let it rip sometimes and still thinks that, you know, if that first thing's not there, he can still just make a play with his legs. This is the NFL. Guys are fast enough. You cannot be doing that. He's got to. He's just got to let it rip a little bit quicker than he has been uh, if he's going to have any chance against defenses like the Bucs. The Bears are in another – they're going to have a very interesting offseason. I think you could see Nagy and Pace on their way out. It's an older roster on the defensive side of the ball. You see Akeem Hicks at the trade deadline. You saw the Raiders calling for Khalil Mack. I like Justin Fields. I think you have to continue to develop Justin Fields, but I think there are a lot of question marks at other positions for them to really, really right the ship, including potentially on the sideline there. Um, I want to give a shout-out, though, to Clue Herbert, last one. Rookie Juice Herbert. Back. Juice Herbert. He looks good. Shit, like in this game, 
100 yards against the Bucks defense. I don't know when the last time that's happened. Probably not been any time recently. Yeah. Uh, because, not by a single back. I think the yeah. highest was like 86 yards by DeAndre Swift or something. Because, and he looked six broken tackles on 18 carries. It was no fluky performance whatsoever. He's now three straight games of looking like a legit NFL running back. And he's got a little bit more home run speed than Dave Montgomery. 91st overall player on the PFF draft board goes 218. It's P- PFF. And PFF has a running back 91st overall. You know we believe in him. So he only has three toes on his left foot too. That might be why. That's a huge reason. I mean, it helps you. I can't actually. I can't think of anything that would. I don't know how it helps you either. I think he's probably. I think the six toe would actually help. A six toe would help. Oh no! Does he have web toes? He's got one of those. I think he's got. He did have six toes actually. It was it was Puka Williams who had the the. Oh no! You're right. Who had the three toes? I just typed in more toes. Khalil, Khalil Herbert toes. He has six toes on his left foot. That is that wild. helps. Yeah, that's huge. You saw that on PFF College. The Kentucky guy have six fingers. You yeah. gotta get. I asked him on the interview when we had him on the podcast if we could show his foot. He said no. Someone needs to see it. I need to verify. Honestly, yeah. he could be lying. That's how it helped his draft stock. Outside zone left when he puts that plants that foot. Plants that. <laughs> gets out there. Dude, the, the end zone angle this week. I'm gonna just cut every left plant. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> the six toe just gripping the turf. All right, um, Sunday night football, the rain game. It was a fucking torrential downpour. Oh, that was my, that was my rule. I changed. Remember, every stadium has got to be a dome. No rain. No really no bad weather games. You I said you changed that. I did, didn't I? I like rain games. I hate bad weather games. I forces snow, you to be a real football player. I mean, if it adds complete randomness into a game. True. Like that Brandon Ayuk punt coverage was, was not insane. random. That was dumb. Yeah, <laughs> that, that was. What was he but, doing? But it, that one didn't even end up costing him. It was Jimmy G fumbling the game away that ended up costing him. But Colts, yeah. Colts, Niners, Niners at home, favored by four in the rain. Colts win pretty handily here. Colts win 30 to 18. Man, I, can we start with, so this game, obviously, you mentioned randomness. The Colts, in my opinion, were the better football team. They had the better receiving core. Michael Pittman Jr. looked phenomenal in this one. He's had a really stellar start to the season. But what does Kyle Shanahan do at the quarterback position? You know, so much of the conversation in the broadcast with Chris and I was like, you know, if Trey Lance was healthy, does he play in this game? Because you got to run the football more with the rain. Moving forward, if both are healthy, which one do you move forward with? My opinion is you move forward with Trey Lance to develop Trey Lance and I think some people were talking about the Niners as like sneaky contenders. I'd say no. The, the NFC is too good to include the Niners in there. The NFC is way too good yeah. to include the San Francisco 49ers as like potential frisky contenders. No, they're not contenders. They are a team that needs to figure out who the fuck their quarterback's going to be. And I think you start by you know putting Trey Lance out there. Yeah, at this point, you're not you're not getting back into it. Into yeah, the you're, mix. you're not benefiting from starting Jimmy G. Yeah. So I, I think I would start Trey Lance as well when he's healthy. But it's worth asking if Shanahan's really, like, lost the fastball to a degree. Uh-oh. Now, because I, I think the proliferation of of his offense, or, like, of that, basically, the tenets of his offense, of the wide zone, play action, jet motions, whatever, all that stuff, that's, that's old hat to a degree. I, his passing concepts and, like, the passing offenses still don't kind of – I think Eric Crocker, who's a former defensive back from the NFL, a great follow on Twitter for anything cornerback play, said it well is that he doesn't necessarily attack matchups in the passing game. He attacks matchups in the running game, but you never see him going at certain corners, certain safeties, whatever. And now some of that's the fact that he's had Jimmy G at quarterback and uh, whatnot, but like they just don't have the sort of 
explosive plays in the passing game or the, I guess, downfield passing attack that would really scare a, a lot of defenses in the NFL nowadays. I, I, I'm not saying he's lost it, but I think a lot of his success came against the cover three defenses, the Seattle sort of scheme, and now people are putting caps on those play-action games with two high safeties. The Colts play a ton of two high safeties, and you just see uh, that the run game only gets you so far and their reliance on it. Um, they just... I mean, it's a lower win percentage than Mike Singletary. I mean, it's not moment. just and it's not just a reliant on the a reliance minutes. on the run game. And I know you sneak that stat in there: lower win percentage than Mike Singletary, yeah. who Credit to this game. day, to this day, still has one of the best sound bites of all time. Yeah, when he you know, can't win with, cannot play with him. That was a great one. But I will say this: he also relies a ton on yards after the catch. I mean, no offense yeah. has more yards gained after the catch in the passing game than the San Francisco 49ers. That's this year. That's previous years. They are winning with broken tackles they're winning on the ground not you know a lot of deep ball success and some of that obviously chicken or the egg here some of that is jimmy garoppolo could they do it with a better quarterback under center yeah. we'll have to see i will say this game i'm not gonna take too many sweeping takeaways it was a stupid rain game randomness yeah. randomness season so you were all michael, we're not Pitt, gonna... michael Pittman season though also he had a game in this Dude, one he's, multiple he's... pis he drew over 100 yards the big touchdown at the end the game sealer he he is he's making me pissed that the Packers drafted Jordan Love instead of him because that was who I wanted and that was I thought his skill set would be perfect with Aaron Rodgers and what they do and he is their unquestioned sort of number one right now I'll also say this Michael Pittman Jr regardless of where you thought you could have had him wide receiver five or wide receiver 30 he's playing exactly as he played at USC big catches big contested catch uh, guy big catch radius and sneaky good after catch like we said that when he was coming out of usc like he can break tackles after the catch and make plays michael Pittman jr looking good this season you hate when we preview the monday night football again yeah but i will say saints at seahawks seahawks five point dogs at home i'm still in on all in on Jameis. yeah all right sweet fun to read segment are you gonna lead the show here all right i will take over because take over. We said it way back when. I forget exactly when, but it was, you know, probably a week and a half after Dan Campbell was hired for the Detroit. I think it was like coach. eight or nine Sam Monson, Dan Campbell jokes in. Yeah. So a week after. So a week after, and I said I officially declared kneecap jokes dead, um, because everyone and their mother had made the 20, exact same one. Twenty. And it hit it from every angle, um, but I also said there was going to come a time midway through the season where the Lions were going to do something cheeky, like what they did on Sunday, and they were going to come out of the woodwork. And I was actually surprised how they didn't – how I didn't see a ton on my timeline, and maybe that's because I follow some good followers. But there were still were some, and so we're going to read some of the funder reads, which lead off with Mina Kimes. And this one was actually – who's a unique take on the kneecap. It wasn't just, oh, ha-ha, biting kneecaps, whatever – uh, Bill Barnwell tweeted, this is the Lions Super Bowl. And Mina Kimes replied, no risk it, no kneecap. Which actually, like, I'm not... Now it's that not I, terrible. No, a play now on that no I think it, about no it, I'm not, I'm not sure it really makes that much sense. Oh, but, no risk it, no biscuit. Yeah. Instead of a biscuit that you'd eat, you eat a kneecap. kneecap. I don't hate it. I hate it, but I don't hate it. It's, yeah, that, one was, that one was tame. It was, actually, like I said, and at it was least in a, a unique reply. take. It was at least a unique take on it. Now, the next one is from Lucy... Burge, who is a does sports betting for BetQL app, who my buddy actually uh, started. Um, oh wow! Yeah, it's a humble shout out here. Just part. Uh, so after the opening, after the onside kick, she just quote tweeted the video of that onside kick and said, "Biting that kneecap off," which Yikes. was 
the awful take that I was hoping that we would avoid because that's not even a joke. Seven likes, and it was seven likes too many. And then this one was the Opus. This one was a... Oh, I don't know too. what the hell was going on here, but this is from Brian Chapman, who's, the, who's on 97.1 The Ticket in Michigan, I believe. And he came up with this like scenario in his head that Dan Campbell said this. So he said, he tweets out, Dan Campbell to Jerry Jacobs, next time you give up a TD, and this is in quotes, so like Dan Campbell saying this He's to making Jacobs. up a joke yes. quote. Next time you give up a TD, I'm biting off your kneecap, and I'm not just going to bite it off, I'm going to swallow it, which... Two likes, and it was two likes too many. And that was like a yikes. That was that was a leave and draft. You said this was the fun to read segment. This was fucking painful, man. That was tough to watch. Hard that's, to watch. That's the whole point of the fun. Yeah, read. yeah, it's tough. It was tough. All right, fun to watch. Watch. We have three. We get, I love how often we're getting tagged in these two. Right, so I'll start. So this is when people say fun to watch as a take, and it's just the most ridiculous thing in the world. But the list is long. You don't have to read off to every we're single. Yeah, read everyone who's on the list. Kirk Cousins is on the not list, whatever. But this week we had some that I would argue are just legitimately wrong. So Albert. Off. So this one's my favorites. Albert Breer. This Lions team, dot, 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 is kind of fun to watch. And then you see Which, in the report. If you if you watched Lions games and like that offense, it's a chore at times. Like hundred percent in that game, sure. When they're doing crazy ass shit, like going for fake and punts, which they really haven't done this year. Sure, that was fun, but that was a unique in the sort of year that the Lions have had. And there's a reply. It says, "Wow, Albert, don't go too far." And it's like. No, it's not a take. It is not. I don't understand how we can even just continue to do this. No, and then yeah. Colin Cowherd comes out, and this is Thursday night. Coward, also, Coward's tweeted out fun to watch probably 20 times. He tweets out twice a week. In all play. seriousness, Case Keenum is a very strong backup, top five backup. Not a guy you, so at least he had a take in there. Not a guy you build around, but a total pro. This is also because he fucking hates Baker Mayfield. He competes his butt off and can keep you afloat while the franchise guy is out. Nice work by Case tonight. A gamer, fun to watch. He also had the guy to admit Taylor Heineke. Does he, wait, did he start that tweet with gotta admit? Gotta admit. He said that for Taylor Heineke too. Gotta his, admit. If he, tweets, if he tweets gotta admit, a fun to watch is about to come next. John Ledyard next, friend of the show. I believe he writes for Pewter Report. Jamar Chase is a special, special player. So much fun to watch. And this is why we have this segment in the first place. It's because it's so ridiculous that both the Lions, Case Keenum, and Jamar Chase can all, all fun be fun to watch. watch. Yeah. Who isn't fun to watch? Stop tweeting out fun to watch. Stop. Just stop. It doesn't make any sense. All right. Rookie of the week. Your rookie of the week. This one, I think, could have been shared, by the way. Who? Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts could have. Yeah. Kyle Pitts is the highest-grade offensive player this week. I think but, could have been a share. But fine. Go ahead and give it to this guy. I give it to Smart Chase. Eight for 201. Eight for 201. I get Marlon Humphrey. Marlon Humphrey. Now, they weren't all on Marlon Humphrey. I believe five for, like, 160 were on Marlon. But it's more than Marlon's ever given up in his entire career. And, again... Say it. They that maybe they still win that game with AJ Green, but they don't. It is it is a tight one. They, none of those plays, the big plays he made, are big plays the way they were with Jamar Chase with AJ Green. It just wasn't. Yeah, I mean he's been a legitimate difference maker for a team that now leads the AFC. So blackout of the week. My goodness, Justin Fields. Not a good week for the rookie quarterback in Chicago. Three picks, three fumbles. Not like no silver lining to be had from that performance um no secret to the blackout of the week segment uh it's just been not good and that's the bears 
seems now I don't know how the hell they beat the Raiders, but it seems like I'm right. I mean, on the wall. that was John Gruden also like on his last leg. I mean, that has to be a factor, right? It was also on the I was at home. I don't know. It was it was it, on the road for the Raiders, but at home for Chicago. So, the kick your pants moment of the week, and this is a great prelude or prologue to the phenomenal weekend we had in Tuscaloosa. Yes. So this the kick your pants gets wrapped in the tailgate review. There was no like football play or event in the actual football that really made me. Kick I don't know. Pants. I kicked a little bit. A small caking. Yeah. Uh, when Caleb Williams stole the ball. That was cool. From the running back on fourth down. But it was to beat Kansas. To, well, to, regardless, that's yeah. a rare play. It that was. was like everyone in the bar was like, what? That yeah. was uh, kind of phenomenal. I was a big fan of yeah. that. I caked minor. But cake pants moment, for myself at least, was we're playing. So we're at uh, in Tuscaloosa. On campus, they just have cornhole boards that are concrete built into campus. Like they're built into the ground. Yeah. That you just play on. And so we're playing on those boards, and it was With awesome. the Crimson A on there. Yeah. It was fucking And, lit. like, a videographer for Alabama comes up and asks, can I start videotaping you guys? And we're like, yeah, sure. We're beaten. It's me and uh, Dave Zofaro, who's the PR guy here at PFF, going up against you and our boy Charlie. Charlie. Big shout out to Charlie. Before you tell the rest of the okay. story, Charlie who met with us in Tuscaloosa. He's from Cincy. He's born and raised in Cincy. Goes to the University of Alabama. He's, he's sending me some DMs, which I encourage you all to do. If you're fans and you're at these tailgates, we're going to Jacksonville this week for the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. But he's like, hey, man, I'm going to be in the quad, which is the best tailgate scene I've been to. If we, uh, you, we should hang. And he, he meets us up. We, we played some cornhole together, and he, he hung out with us the entire time. We introduced him to a lot of things. Charlie, big shout-out to the fan for to the fan at tailgate. He was a, a good time. He showed us Tuscaloosa well. But So they start vid- she starts videoing, and immediately I go four for four in the hole on cornhole. Put Austin in the dirt. That was a cake pants moment for myself. The opposite of that moment was when David Sofaro, to go play on those concrete bags, went and grabbed children's bags yeah. for the cornhole bag. He's like, oh, yeah, I got you. He like, goes to another tailgate, comes back with like stuff that you'd find at the bottom of McDonald's fucking Happy Meal as bags. And Dude. we were trying to play with these windy bags. It was bad. It was bad. But it was the size of like a like a 50 cent piece. It was not good. <laughs> it was not good. All right, let's get to this tailgate review. Yeah. Can I start? Please, please. Tailgate, I. You can bury me in Tuscaloosa. I said this about State College, but you can honestly bury me in Tuscaloosa. It is competing, in my opinion, for the best city I've been to in the United States. And I've been to a decent amount. I've tra- I've, I did a road trip from San Diego to Florida and back and all that stuff. It is phenomenal. It is the perfect college town. It's a small town that rallies, yeah. legitimately rallies around the University of Alabama. And that's not surprising to people, but you can feel it. The energy is different. It is all about the college there and the bars are catered to the university of Alabama. Yeah. The streets are catered to the university of Alabama and every single person there roll tide roll is all about it. And that, in my opinion, encompasses a great tailgate. When you are going to a city or a destination that legitimately wants nothing but Alabama football, even yeah. when they're 25 point favorites over Tennessee, it's a phenomenal piece. I thought the bar scene was fantastic. And then the quad where everyone should tailgate. If you go to the university of Alabama, the energy was unreal. Yeah, so it was. It had the best tailgate setup I've seen at any school I've been to. In terms of, you have Sorority Row literally backing up to Bryant Denny Stadium. Like you open you, your door. Like if you're, you're if you're in whatever sorority, you open your door and the stadium is. Bright. And you're in line. And frat rows in the vicinity as well. You have the bars, kitty corner, like on that same block. Roll up like the the bar row rolls right up to the stadium, and then the quad also like all on the same block and a half space all the tailgating all the bars 
all the frat sororities are all right there. So everyone is in the same spot. And the quad is in the middle of campus. To explain the quad, the quad is not like where you park your cars and everyone's like tailgating on RVs and stuff. This is like everyone just sets up tents. It's in it's in campus. All all tents, all on grass tailgating. No parking lot tailgating, like at you know Notre Dame where we went. So it is, yeah, it it was electric. It was probably like I said the best uh, setup. I've seen the only downside was that on game days, some of the bars have like insane covers. There's a cover at certain bars. Now we went to Houndstooth, which is a cool sports bar that didn't have a cover. Um, really enjoyed it. I mean, like I said, it was probably the best single tailgate. Now the whiteout was maybe a better experience because it was whiteout and that atmosphere is insane. But just in terms of like the school and the setup and the tailgates, it was it's the best one we've been to. Yeah. And my, my recommendation, my schedule, my agenda recommendation, get there early Friday. Get to the bars before the covers come out and go to either Houndstooth or Galette's. Those are the two best bars on University Ave. And then from there, Friday night, have yourself a day. Then there's a Waffle House that's 24 hours right across the way if you'd like to take a piece. Saturday, get to the quad as soon as you can. Maybe stop at Houndstooth first, grab a couple yellow hammers, which is a mixture of every alcohol they have, pineapple juice and orange juice, if you want to get your hangover started early. But you literally can't miss there the final grade for Tuscaloosa tailgate. 95.6. Best on the year. Takes the cake on the year so far. Now, could Jacksonville pass it up? Maybe, but you're going to have that caveat that it's not yeah. actually not on a campus. We also have coming down the pike here, Morgantown. We're going to be in West Virginia. Got Knoxville. Then you got Ann Arbor. Uh, there's a lot the left game. on the bone here. Yeah, There's a lot left on the bone. But right now, Tuscaloosa, I'll say it, Mike. I know we're going to be planning our trip for next year soon. I don't know if we can do Tuscaloosa. We can't miss Tuscaloosa. You can't not put it back on the show. Because we need, we need to agree with just one repeat tailgate. I think that might be it. Because that one is that one's a treat, man. That one well, is a treat. Well, we got to go to Ohio State Notre Dame next year. So that's, that's going to be a repeat, too. But fair, yeah. fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Before we get to now the Sam Howell interview and close out the show, forgot to mention the proud sponsor of Tailgate, Manscaped. It's football season, baby. You know what that means. It means we're going for two here on the sponsors of today's show, Manscaped. Blitzing through Harris has never been easier, and it's time for you to join 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by using code PFF at manscaped.com. For 20% off plus free shipping. It's three and out the window with all of the trimmers. Now go tame that Wildcat offense. We're going to Jacksonville this week. I'm bringing the trimmer. They got ball toner. They got ball lotion. They got it all, man. They got it all. And I'm bringing it all. The world's largest outdoor cocktail party. You're telling me I'm not going to be ball tonered up? <laughs> you better check yourself. The brand new Lawnmower 4.0 is here to take your defense to the next level. The fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. The Lawnmower 4.0 has a 7,000 RPM motor. A new multifunction on off switch can engage a travel lock and gives you the ability to turn the 4000 led light spotlight on and off when needed for a more precise shave did i mention this trimmer is waterproof too rain snow or sleet are no match for the waterproof power of the 4.0 there's no 15 yard penalty for this clipping get 20 percent off and free shipping with code pff at manscaped.com that's 20 percent off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code pff stiff arm your pubes out the playoffs this year with manscaped now on to the man of the hour sam howell unc quarterback that interview plays now now joining the tailgate podcast is current North Carolina quarterback, Sam Howell, an absolute PFF darling. You are a guy that has graded so well in PFF's grading um, over the past few years now and having a lot of success this year as well. A top quarterback prospect in the 2022 NFL draft. One of the best deep throwers in college football. Sam, great to have you on the show. Yeah, appreciate you guys having me on. 
Absolutely, man. I got to start with this, and we're going to get to your game. We're going to talk a lot about you know the successes that you've had. But we had Mac Brown on this same podcast before the season, and he talked a lot about this recruiting story where you know, originally committed to Florida State, and you go, he goes right to you, and the first thing you ask him is like, "Where's the playbook? What are you guys running? And when can I start looking?" And I think that recruiting story. I want to hear your side. Mac Brown's side's great, but talk to me about you know your experience working with Mac Brown. Obviously, you know, flip to UNC. Yeah, so you know, as most people know, I was committed to Florida State for a really long time. Um, and, you know, once it came down to it, when we were getting close to signing day, um, you know, Walt Bell was a coach that um, I was really close with. He was the OC at Florida State at the time, and he actually left to take the um, UMass job. Um, and, and I was just kind of with my, with my dad and just kind of talking to the people, and, and I really just didn't feel like I, I wanted to go to Florida State anymore. You know, I, had all, I have all the love and respect for Coach Taggart at the time. I thought he, he was doing an unbelievable job. Um, but, you know, I really just wanted, wanted to go somewhere else. Um, so I kind of opened it back up, and a lot of people kind of kind of came back into the picture. Um, and obviously, North Carolina hired Mac Brown. Um, you know, as a big college football fan growing up, I know a lot about him. Um, so, you know, that, as soon as he kind of started to, trying to recruit me, I, I knew in the back of my head that North Carolina was a place that, you know, I kind of can see myself going, uh, especially under his leadership. Um, but, you know, the first thing, you know, when I saw him, I was – he, he didn't have he didn't really have his staff hired yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was my first question for him: is you know who are you going to hire as your offense coordinator? What kind of <laughs> offense are you going to run? I, mean, I know you're a great football coach, and I know you've you've won at the highest level, but I got to know what kind of offense you're trying to run. I got to know who you plan on hiring. So that was my question for him. I I told him I, I can't commit to you until I know what we're, we're going to be doing on offense. That's fantastic, man. Straight to business is, I think, how he phrases. Like, this guy just wanted to get in the playbook and get going. And obviously, that's led to a lot of success at UNC. Speak more to the relationship you have with Mac Brown and I guess how much that's developed over the years with North Carolina. Yeah, I mean, Coach Brown's been awesome. Uh, you know, I really didn't know what to expect coming into it. Uh, you know, older guy. Um, he, he got out of coaching for a little bit, but I've, I've just been super impressed with him as a person. Um, and I think the most impressive thing about him is just how much he cares about, about our team. Um, he cares he cares way beyond uh, the football field. Um, he truly wants us to be in a good a good place in life. Um, and, and, he, and he spends so much time just talking to us, making sure everyone's doing all right. And he and it's really a family family atmosphere that he's built um, here in North Carolina. So it's just have, I'm just happy to be here with someone like him who really just cares so much about his players. I mean, you oftentimes find that, you know, the best coaches in college football are those guys like Mac Brown that care about players on and off the field and develop them as human beings. I think you see that in yourself and others that have graduated and, and gone on from UNC. I want to speak more to or talk more about your leadership style as well. It's obviously such a big part of the quarterback position. I think an obvious strength of yours as well, talking to Mac Brown and others. How would you describe your leadership style, both on and off the field with your teammates? And how would you say that has changed or developed over the years, you know, now having, you know, played at North Carolina for a few years now? Yeah, it's definitely a big part um, of playing this position. Um, so, you know, I think for me, you know, I just want to make sure I'm bringing the best out of my teammates every single day. Um, and I think, you know, I, I don't know if people really respond to, you know, you jumping on them all the time if they make a mistake and stuff like that. I, I truly just want to want to help those guys. And, you know, what I try to do is I just try to challenge them um, just to give everything they got and be their best. Uh, you know, I hold them to a standard every single day and I and, and they know what I expect out of them. Um, so that's kind of my leadership style. They just know, you know, when, I, when I'm there, you know, what, what to expect from me. Um, they know that, you know, they know to give everything they got. Um, that's the expectation. Um, but now leadership is something that's is super important um, in this game. Um, it's super, super important at the quarterback position. Um, you just got to be that guy that 
your team can always count on. And I think another big part of it is just being a good teammate. Um, you know, whenever guys need something, whether it's on or off the field, you know, I think especially off the field, you got you should be that guy. Um, and I truly care about all my teammates. You know, I love them to death, and you know, I just want to be that guy for them. Yeah, that's that's fantastic. You're talking to a lot of college coaches. A question I often ask ask is, you know, what do you want from your quarterback? What's the most important thing? And you know, you'll have guys bring up accuracy and you know, ability to work off play action. These specific concepts, but I'll never forget, you know, Herm Edwards, Arizona State, brings up, I want the guy that's going to lead men in the fourth quarter and in these clutch moments, that leader that you know, commands a huddle and those things. And I think it has that importance for a lot of coaches, and it's good to hear you speak to that. And now, maybe independent independent of your leadership. What do you feel has improved the most with your game specifically you know, over the years, over the course of your career at UNC? Yeah, I mean, I think when, when I think about what, where I've improved the most, I think definitely um, you know, I'm, I'm more mobile um, than I was when I started uh, my freshman year in 2019. You know, I've, after I watched the film, after I really self-evaluated myself after that year, I just really was not satisfied with how, how I was moving. Um, I felt like I wasn't in good enough shape to where I could protect myself at times. Um, so, and I, and I just wanted to be a threat running the ball as well. Cause I think in college, especially it just makes it so much harder for the defense. Um, so I put so much time into mobility, hit mobility, our strength staff um, led by coach Hess, they've done an unbelievable job of the best in the country. Um, so I put a lot of time into that and I think it's really starting to pay off for us. Um, it paid off a little bit last year for us and it's paying off um, this year for us. And I think also just mentally, I think I, I, way better understanding of the game, especially on the defense side of the ball. I think I truly know what defenses are trying to do and, and how they're trying to stop us and what exactly they're doing um, to try, try to stop our offense. And I think that's overall helped me from a decision-making standpoint. I really wanted to bring up the fact that you're running the ball with so much success this year. Your yardage totals are like nearly double than what you had this year. And you obviously still have games to play. It sounds like it was a massive point of emphasis for you to improve personally, but did the coaching staff also want to build the offense around your rushing ability, or has that something kind of just sprung out of nowhere with obviously the improvement you made in the offseason? Yeah, honestly, it really wasn't much of a plan coming in. Um, I just think it's something that just kind of happened. You know, we, we're, run, we're running the quarterback draw really well right now. Um, we put a lot of time into it with the O-line. I think the first two years here, we we weren't blocking it well up front just because we didn't spend a whole lot of time, time in it, just because if you have Javante Williams and Michael Carter – why would you let me run the ball? So that was kind of our philosophy early on. And I think our O-line has done a really good job of blocking the quarterback draw. And I think that's where a lot of my um, rushing, rushing yards have come from. Um, so really, it, it really wasn't planned coming into the season. I think it's just something that we've had a lot of success doing. So we're going to continue to do it. I'm glad you brought up Javante Williams, man. I mean, he has been a monster in the NFL. Also, like, broke PFF record for force missed tackles per carry. He's on that pace again with the Denver Broncos. What was it like handing out to him and just watching him work at the college level? Yeah, no, it was awesome to have Javante. Um, he's an awesome guy, an awesome friend of mine. You know, he's one of those guys you don't really say a whole lot. He just kind of puts his head down and works. Um, whether he – before he started rushing for – hundred some yards a game. He was the same guy he was after he was doing that. And I think that's the most, that's probably the coolest thing about Javante is he's always um, stayed true to himself. Um, he worked so hard and you know, I enjoyed watching him at, at the next level. I was watching, uh, I was watching his game um, just last night and he, he did an awesome job. So it, it's just super fun to watch Javante and just to know the type of person he is and makes it even better. We had him on this show as well. And what was wild to me is like, he's also like a valedictorian in high school. 
and is one of the smartest guys I've had on this show. And also, I remember he told me the story about wanting to play linebacker. Alabama didn't want him, and he makes the shift to running back, and he gets to UNC. He has a crazy background. Like, what an awesome story in the NFL right now. Going back to, you know, you were talking about a little bit about knowing what the defense is coming and how much you've improved in that standpoint. Talking to a lot of other older veteran players expected to enter the draft, Kyrie Elam of Florida, Ahmad Gardner of Cincinnati, Kingsley and Agbury, South Carolina. When I asked them, you know, what has improved the most over their career? So many times I hear football IQ, football IQ. I know what's happening on film. I know what I'm doing in the film room. How have your film habits changed? And I guess your approach to the film room, how has that impacted your game on the field? I think, you know, I've, I've always watched a lot of film. I'm even when I was a freshman when I first got here, everyone talks about quarterbacks need to watch a lot of film, need to watch a lot of film. And I think early on when I was watching film, I, I didn't really know how to watch film. Um, I was just kind of doing it. Um, and I think that's probably where I've made the most growth and from a preparation standpoint is I, I truly know what I'm watching. Um, I don't waste any time in there. Um, so every, every, every time I go in there, it's, it's I, I'm watching it with a purpose. I know what I'm looking for. Um, and I just think Coach Longo, ROC, he's done a really good job in, in kind of helping me understand what to look for. Um, so I think that's probably where I've made the most growth is really not – I'm probably not putting any more time into it because I've always put a lot of time into it, but I think I'm doing it with more of a purpose now. Um, I know exactly what I'm looking for when I go in there. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's awesome to hear. I'll never forget, you know, talking to Jonah Williams, former Alabama off to tackle now plays for Cincy. He, you know, he talked about going in the NFL, everyone's athletic, everyone's big, where you can really separate yourself is how you approach film and how you prepare and preparing with that purpose. Um, you know, you know, we talked a little bit about Javante Williams. He was not the only skill player that went on to the NFL. Deami Brown, Daz Newsome, Michael Carter. What? How have you kind of taken that challenge, that obvious challenge, head on with so many new faces on the offensive side of the ball at UNC? Yeah, you know, it's, de it's definitely something. Um, it, it's been a challenge for us on offense coming into the year, but I think our mindset is because our mindset as an offense is just we're excited for the challenge. Um, what a great opportunity for us and what a great opportunity for some of our younger guys to step up and, and make a name for themselves. Um, and, and you've seen that. You've seen it with Josh Downs, Ty Chandler. And we got some more guys that we're, we're going to start getting more involved as well. Um, but I think it's been an awesome challenge for us, an awesome opportunity. I think it's much of a challenge. It's, a, it's an even bigger opportunity for us. And, you know, a lot of our skill player guys, they kind of have a chip on their shoulder just because, they know what everyone's talking about. Everyone's talking about it. all the players we lost, and rightfully mm -hmm. so. They were all great players for us. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think it's been an awesome opportunity for us, and we're, we're going to try to take advantage of it for the rest of the season. Josh Downs has absolutely seized the opportunity, risen to the occasion. I think he leads all of college football in yards after the catch per reception. He has been phenomenal with the ball in his hands. What makes him kind of so reliable and so spectacular, in your opinion? I think with Josh, he's, he's a professional, um, just the way he prepares. He, he spends a lot of time. You know, I think our, our quarterback room, we, we have such a good, good quarterback room. We, we, we watch a lot of film um, after hours. And when we're meeting after hours, Josh Downs is in our quarterback meetings. Um, he prepares like a professional. Wow. His, dad's, his dad's a coach, um, so his dad raised him very well. And he truly knows what it takes. Uh, you know, I think he's good enough where he, if he didn't watch any film, he'd still go have a over 100 yards a game and but he truly cares about the about the preparation I think that's what really separates them because there's a lot of a lot of really good talented players in college football but I don't think there's probably none that prepare like Josh Downs does for a game and he truly knows when we call playing the game why we're calling it what we're looking for and I think that's what's been able to separate him um, and he's and he's only going to get better so I'm super excited for him. 
electric athlete, coach's son, and he's in the QB room as a receiver. That is the recipe for a lot of success at the college level. I know you've worked with quarterback specialist Anthony Boone, and he has had a tremendous impact on your game. Can you hit on some of the biggest things you've learned or the biggest lessons he's taught you in recent years? Yeah, Anthony's been awesome for me. Um, you know, he's, he's been through a lot in his life, and he's, he's seen a lot of football. Um, he's someone I've been working for, working with um, since probably the end of my eighth grade year, starting ninth grade, and he's, he's really just changed my game. I think I was – when I was younger, I was just playing quarterback because I, I threw the ball far and I threw it hard. Um, <laughs> and he's really, I really give him the credit of really turning me into a quarterback um, just from a footwork standpoint. Um, he, he's, we spent so much time together. Um, I mean, there were times where I, could, I couldn't afford to pay him for training, and, you know, he was still training me. Um, and I think that just kind of shows the person he is. And he, he's believed in me since early on. Um, and, and, you know, he's my guy. He's, he's, helped me, he's helped me get to where I am today. Um, so, you know, I, I'm, just, I'm just super grateful um, to have someone like that in my circle. And, you know, he's, he's been awesome for me. That's phenomenal to hear, man. To have that relationship with a guy that can improve you as much as he has is, is phenomenal. And I'll say this, throwing the ball far and throwing the ball hard are great things. You don't got to push them down, man. I mean, especially where the NFL is going. You know, a lot of times on this podcast and other content here at PFF, we talk a ton about how much the NFL has changed and really favored or catered to these quarterbacks with insane arm talent. Kyler Murray, Baker Mayfield, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, because lighter personnel, you're trying to spread the ball, trying to attack space. You need guys that have this throw power that can throw the ball hard and throw the ball far. Where do you feel, obviously as a big arm quarterback in college football, where do you feel arm talent or throw power ranks in terms of importance for quarterbacks in the league? Yeah, I think there's so many great quarterbacks in the league doing it now, and there's so many talented guys from Aaron Rodgers, Josh Allen, you know, Matthew Stafford, Mahomes, Kyle Murray, all those guys. I think there's so many guys with so many special talents in the NFL and, and they're making some unbelievable throws every single Sunday. It's super fun to watch. But, you know, for me, I, I, I truly think I can make, I truly know I can make every single throw on the field. Um, I can make any throw a coach uh, needs a quarterback to make on the field. So that's how I, that, that, I'm confident in my game. I, you know, I put a lot of time into it and, and I work, Work very hard at trying to perfect my craft. So I, I truly feel like I can make any throw um, any coach can ask me to make. Making all the throws, so important in today's NFL. We can finish with this one, Sam. I really appreciate the time. What goals do you have, both from a team and personal perspective, to close out this season at UNC? Yeah, I mean, I think it's an interesting question just because, you know, I think we had all these expectations coming into the season, and we certainly, um, you know, didn't have the start to the season that we that we thought we would or that we should have had. Uh, you know, I think we had a kind of a, a team meeting um, after we lost to Florida State, um, and we're sitting there six game halfway into the season, we're three and three. Um, you start as a top ten team, and you, know, you start three and three. That's that's not ideal. Um, but we all just kind of came together as a team, and you know, I, my message to them was, you know, I told them I loved their, every single person in that room, um, and I told them they're going to get everything I got for for these last six games, and you know, we're going to do the best we can to win every single one of them. I think as a team, you know, we're we truly plan for each other, um, and we're trying to give give everyone in that room everything we got. Um, and, and our plan is to do everything we can on, on every Saturday and try to try to win every single game for the rest of the year. Want to know every single week? Love that, Sam. Thank you so much for jumping on the show. Really appreciate the time, and like I, I wish you the best of luck moving forward. Yeah, appreciate it, guys. Thank y'all for having me. That's going to do it for today's show. Thanks for tuning in to Tailgate. We are on to Jacksonville. If you're going to be in the area at the world's largest outdoor cocktail party, make sure to shoot us a DM on Instagram or Twitter. Make sure to link up there. Also, use promo code TAILGATE 
for 20, 25% off any PFF subscription. Until next time, Austin Gale, Mike Renner, the producers, Max Shadwick, Dave Sofaro, Mike Quinn. Until next time, tailgate. We'll